Hey everyone, and welcome back to This One's For You, a show in which a very human person talks to other humans about human stuff. We're going to work on that tagline, but in the meantime, I'm your host, Ellen Noble, and I'm so thrilled to be back with a new episode for you all finally after a bit of a break while I worked on getting my shit together. Super happy to say that we have an absolutely star-studded lineup of podcasts sitting in the queue now, and we will be getting back into bi-weekly publishing Yes! As always, if you have someone you'd like to see on the show, please contact me at ellennoble.com. Today's guest is truly someone special. This woman is not only a Paralympic gold medalist, 11-time world champion, and a doctor of physical therapy, but she's also just an absolute ray of sunshine and truly a gem of a human. I thought I loved her before we recorded this episode, but after recording, I realized that I now love her even more, so I cannot wait to share this episode with you. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Dr. Meg Fisher to the show. Oh, hello. It's a privilege to be Hi, here. Meg. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. You're busy. You are much busier than I am, and it sounds like you actually just got back from Sea Otter. So how are you kind of uh, reacclimating after undoubtedly the most chaotic week of bikes in the cycling industry? You really can't describe sea otter. It, it really is something that has to be experienced. I mean, everybody describes it, everybody lives it, and then we try to talk about it, and we're like, you, there, there aren't words. Um, <laughs> the closest I get to describing sea otter is, I've never been to one, but like a mega church, just like just the giantest church ever, and yet every religion, every belief is there from Buddhist to Catholics to uh, spaghettifarians or whatever, pastafarians. I mean, everybody's there, the single speeders, the fixies, the downhillers, the cross country, the tours, the fondos, the BMX tracks, and then anything in the middle, like anything to do with all of the bikes, to eat, to track it, a reflective tape so you can be seen, helmets, it's a car show, the the newest and greatest is out there, like, and you guys, I'm from Missoula, Montana. We, we're growing. I mean, we're like, it's a kind of a growing city, but it's not that big. I mean, pretty much all know each other here. That said, the whole population of the valley comes to Laguna Seca for sea otter. So it's this little country mouse is, she's, she's tired. Yeah, your uh, your social battery is probably pretty fried right now, I imagine. Oh, um, I mean, at the same time, again, this is the weirdness of sea otters. Like your bucket is full and yet it's empty. Yes. <laughs> I think that that summarizes it so perfectly. And actually, it wasn't until you just said that that I realized uh, Sea Otter is where I met you last year. Oh, that's right. Holy smokes. Yeah. And I had heard a ton about you because my boyfriend Aiden uh, spoke very highly of you. I can't remember when you guys met. So I felt like I already knew you. And then I realized that I was like, oh my God, I'm talking. You're like, hey, my name's Meg. And then I was like, wait, you're Meg Fisher. Oh my God. And I was so excited to meet you. So this is like our friend anniversary. <laughs> well, it's a special. It's, we'll have a little special moment. Um, cheers. And likewise, like I, I've, uh, Aiden speaks really highly of you, and, and you've left a big footprint on the sport. Um, I've always been a, a fan of how you move through the world, and it's, it was cool to meet you. Now we're friends. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Now we're friends. And speaking of being friends and speaking of the sport, I hope that we could begin maybe by you telling me a little bit about yourself 
not as an athlete. Mm. We know your stats. We know that you are an absolute stud. But who are you as a non-athlete? Who is who is Meg? Ooh. That's a really easy question. Yeah. I know that um, probably just a couple words. So uh, just a couple <laughs> words. Um, one, my, my friends <laughs> refer to me as a hummingbird. Like I don't really sit down I kind of I float around um my so when I'm not on the bike I have the great honor of getting to help people through physical therapy um I'm also an athletic trainer and I've done some personal training as well so I believe in movement as medicine my coworkers often call me Rose or Rosie because I'm just kind of just a I'm a happy person um and I kind of float <laughs> around um that said, I, I'm very human and I have my dark clouds that come over days too. I love being human. I love embracing that you can be happy and sad at the same time, or you can be scared and anxious and anticipating something great at the same time. I think holding those feelings that like allow me for more than one thing at once is mm-hmm. a new phase in my life. I can't, you can, you can, you can be more than one thing. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, out off the bike. Um, I have a dog. He's the joy yes. of my life. And if anything were to trump my dog, it'd be my cat. He has one. Yes, and eye. how do you say his name? Sai. Sai. It's short like for Cyclops. The guy in uh, the guy in Mamma Mia, right? I don't know. I've never Cy? seen it. Well, think think, think oh, Cyclops. Okay. So so Sai is um, from the Scratch and Dent Shelter. He I got him. Um, uh, yeah, I love him. Uh, so he has one oh eye. Gosh. He's got sight in one eye. He has two of them. If you look at him, you're like, he's got two eyes. But mm. one of them has a cataract. Not a cataract. Yeah, yeah he's got a cataract. No. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So Sai is a special man. He goes, you guys, if you, if you follow me on social media, you will inevitably be graced uh, with Sai's presence. He's a Maine Coon. He's glorious and fluffy. He's got a bright white ascot. He's got little Dutch clogs up front and knee-high boots on the back. And he goes for walks with me of his own accord. Wow. And he likes to go for walks with the dog and me. And he expects morning walks. He's also aggressively affectionate. So, yeah, um, I was off the bike. Like, I'm obsessed with my cat and my dog okay. and my chickens. Okay. And I, uh, I care for my mom. I'm like, just like anybody. I'm multifaceted. I'm a diamond. I'm a gem. Meg spelled backward. Someone pointed out to me this weekend is gem. So I'm oh a multifaceted gem. I love gem. that. That is so beautiful. And this is like, I'm really glad that I, you know, I'm actually really glad that I don't know you well enough. Right that I thought to ask this question because you're actually like the first guest on this podcast that isn't like a, a very close friend of mine. <laughs> uh, so I had to like look up things about you a little bit. And I'm really glad that I asked that question because I feel like I just learned so many things that gave me a really big smile Oh, because yay. that's all just like such a, I don't know. I think you have a very like beautiful perspective on life. And a theme that I noticed in your Instagram was actually the um the two beliefs at once Mm -hmm. and I think like I'd actually love to talk about that Mm -hmm. and like if that was something that came up um consciously or subconsciously for you because it's actually something that I've been kind of practicing a little bit Mm -hmm. like how how you can say um for me like I have kind of not like a trivial example but but Aiden and I moved out of Boulder Mm -hmm. around this time last year Mm -hmm. and it's hard because we were really excited about this next adventure um and typically like when you're leaving somewhere you want to be like peace out like later Mm -hmm. like you know this place was lame or whatever Mm -hmm. but 
actually, like I said, we can love our time in Boulder and think of Boulder as an amazing city and still be ready to be elsewhere. And we can have amazing memories and we can love this place and still need something new. And both of those things can exist at once. And I think that's really complicated for Mm -hmm. people. I Mm -hmm. think it's a hard ideology to embrace. And then once you get more comfortable with Mm -hmm. it, you're like, oh, wait, basically everything Mm -hmm. is sort of at odds with each other. Well, I think... So how did you learn that? Like, how did that start for you? Well, I mean, I'm going to kind of throw it back at you real quick. It's like, so we've, I think, had some shared experiences in that, like, having had, like, really elite racing and then having that take away or elite competition and having that taken away Mm -hmm. due to injury or what have you, or um, I kind of aged out of the national team system and needed to like leave the national team. And so what kind of identity does that leave you with? And then coming Mm -hmm. back into sport or what is your relationship to sport? Um, Because for as healthy and wonderful and full of passion and joy cycling can be, it can also be nasty. It can mm-hmm. be dirty and mean and all the seedy things that you think, no, 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 no. This, like we have the potential of being, being the utopia, but yet there's, yes. it's not. Um, and so I think coming to that or having the ability to hold more feelings or more, more space for those feelings, I think it's coming, came, comes with time. And I think I've taken a few mm-hmm. more turns around the sun than you have. And you, you have <laughs> such a wise and broad perspective, which makes it really easy to connect with you. And I think that's what draws so many people to you is that you're, yeah, the breadth of your experience in this, you know, where you are in your life. Like, um, we can see ourselves reflected in you. And I think that's what people often see in me as themselves reflected. Um, and I take that privilege it's i I see it as a privilege um because what what you all can't hear is that i have one leg um and so right um the image of me riding a bike is often or walking or whatever like doing you know things that most people don't anticipate that they can do whether it be summoning a mountain or you know what have you it's like if this one-legged girl can do it chances are if you want (laughs) to do it the key word there is if you want to do it, I want you to know that you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to like highlight the girl thing, but whatever. It's I'm that's was often a thing. I the cycling is a very male dominated sport, which is fine. Um, but yes, no dude likes it when a one legged girl passes them. I secretly sometimes <laughs> oh, enjoy my God. doing that. <laughs> ah, it's that's like, the fun I can't part. Even not, imagine what that's yeah. I can't imagine what that's like because passing men with two legs has had its fair share of sideways glances. I cannot imagine the double and triple take that some riders must do when you just come flying by them. They'll often say like, I bet it weighs less or it looks arrow or something like that. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, keep up. So, okay, that actually, that brings up two questions, and one of them is really important, Mm. so I want to put a pin in it, but the other one is less important, but really matters to me. Mm. Watching you race on the track at the Olympics, it looked like you were maybe wearing, like, an, did you have, like, an aerodynamic sleeve over your prosthesis? So, so, um, yeah, so if you guys go to YouTube, you can watch me race in the um, Rio Games, the 3K Pursuit. 
I did have a special leg and it's not actually aerodynamic. If you look close enough when I'm getting on the bike, you can see the Mm -hmm. UCI sticker. I had to have it approved by the UCI. (laughs) So it is not a, you know, does not break the three to one ratio. It's not an Mm -hmm. airfoil. That said, it is uh, also less um, functional. So if you also watch that, like you'll see like Mike Creed, who was our coach Mm -hmm. back in 2016, um, he basically had to walk me up the track. Tracks are already slippery in, on, in mm-hmm. bike cleats. That said, like mm-hmm. um, my sp- specific track and road racing prosthesis only has a cleat bloat uh, on the bottom. There's no toe aspect. There's no heel aspect. It is just an exposed okay. cleat. Um, so okay. yes, it is. It's lighter. It's a little more aerodynamic. But like, I would never wear that for training or in any of these gravel or mountain bike races because there's lots of times where you have to get up and you know walk to mm-hmm. the start or walk to get water or uh, an obstacle wearing that in a porta potty yeah would be Mm-mm. extremely treacherous no yeah i know one wants to <laughs> slip in a porta potty the nice four corner office is out on track um yeah so i do have several legs um if you see me in the 2012 games i had a pretty primitive looking leg and then mm-hmm. in the 2016 games i had a pretty awesome leg and then the one that i use mostly um my buddy here in town made in his garage. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. He makes saddles and he's like, you know, Meg, I think I can make you a leg. And he did. And what? it's my favorite foot. I love it. It's, I carry it with me everywhere. It's truly okay. like a part of me. Okay. And sometimes you're at risk of forgetting said leg, right? Oh. That's something that happens to you often enough. Yeah. I don't know where, I think I was coming back from 24 <laughs> hours in Old Pueblo and I was just cooked. It was a crazy weekend. I got to race a duo with um, the indomitable uh, Laura King. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. Um, I was quite tired and I left my leg in the overhead compartment, you know? <laughs> I mean, it happens to to the best yeah. of us, right? Um, and like <laughs> people often, yeah, I mean, this is an example. Like people yell after me or talk to me about my leg all the time. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's welcome. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think we all can have, you know, if you break your arm, usually it's like, oh, cool. Like I was, you know, I slid into home base and I broke my arm and it's like this short <sighs> yes. story. And so it's often like, you know, a nice, hmm conversation starter and it's like coffee table mm-hmm. book and then often people yes. will ask me about my leg and it's not quite a coffee table discussion so i mean i've had yes. people that, like that person yelled at me like ma'am ma'am i think i think you left your leg on board that time mm-hmm. was grateful but the next flight i took somebody yelled after me somebody i didn't know i'd never seen their face we never introduced ourselves we never i had i had no i didn't know who it was they just yelled after me like wow, that looks comfortable. I'm glad you can walk. And I'm just like, what? That time I didn't turn around or acknowledge them. I just didn't have the bandwidth Mm -hmm. to be like, yes, I am grateful I can walk. And I mean, truth you guys, like every day it hurts. Every day my leg hurts. Every day my body hurts. And it's not just my leg that got hurt. I have half my abdominals. I can't do a sit-up if my life depended on it. I'm a turtle Mm -hmm. on the ground. I hit my head really, really hard, um, mm-hmm. had some brain surgery, spent some time in a coma, like, you know, it's, it's like not, and more importantly, like I, I lost my first love. I mean, she did not survive mm-hmm. that accident. So, um, anyway, we kind of got off track there, but like, 
I, no, I think this is very, very on track. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for people to acknowledge my difference at times, but there's oftentimes I just wish I was just like everybody else. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you talk about the, that a little bit in High Road, the film that Canada made about you. Oh, that was really, yeah. really amazing. And you said that um, you don't wonder like how your your life wouldn't be better. It would just be different. Right. But I'm sure... I think that that is maybe because you're like a grateful person mm-hmm. and you have a positive outlook because I'm sure the amount of, I guess I don't want to call them struggles because mm. that feels like a weird energy to put on you, mm. but the amount of things that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, not even beginning to touch what you had to go through in your recovery and the grief of losing your best friend. I mean, I can't imagine what all of that would even feel yeah. like. And so I think to dilute it down to... um I'm glad you can walk. That looks comfortable. Yeah. It just feels like such a gross misrepresentation. And yeah. I I think I've talked about this. Um, mm-hmm. One of my really good friends had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked about kind of the struggle of people often saying, I'm, you know, you should be grateful you're alive. Right. I don't know if you've ever had this, but it makes me feel really defensive for them. Because I'm like, well, yeah, we're all glad you're alive. But you also lost a lot. Yeah. And I think this is going back to that these two things can exist. These two things can coexist, these conflicting beliefs. I'm really glad that you're alive, Meg. I'm Mm -hmm. really glad that he's alive after his stroke. And also, you and the people who love you can mourn Mm -hmm. everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't negate what you went through, I Mm -hmm. guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so, like, it's that is a very, very complicated example of those two conflicting emotions so many times people love like it's an easy thing I think there's a comfort where people will say like everything happens for a reason or and that one I really struggle mm-hmm. with because Sarah Sarah was more than my best friend yes she was my best friend but she was the first person I ever loved she was the first person that like we were moving in together our car was full of everything we had to start our first our, our life together and 20 years ago we couldn't be open about it nobody like it was a slightly different climate in my family and in hers. Uh, mm-hmm. 20 years later, I don't want to hide that fact. Um, she was my best friend for, for so long. Like, I mean, she never came out to her parents. And so I wanted to protect that for her. And so I did call her my best mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, she was more than that to me. Um, and when people say that, yeah, something like, you know, happens for a reason. I mean, I, I can agree that. I have a good life and I think your friend can be, have a lot of gratitude, I assume. Um, mm-hmm. and I've gotten to race on the Paralympic team where we're, we all like, again, we joke and call ourselves like the scratch and dent team. Like we all have our bumps and bruises. We're all, we're still yeah. gems. We still have a lot of function and life and joy and op, like opportunity ahead of us. Um, and it's just not like we all have that, whether you have bumps or bruises that are visible or not. I mean, the invisible impairments mm-hmm. are probably more of a struggle. Like I'm very lucky to have a very visible impairment. I think about my, my friends who have MS or uh, yeah. commonly depression or anxiety or other things where we all have to struggle mm-hmm. with um, heart conditions. You know, Diabetes is in, invisible. Like those are all really mm-hmm. big things that people have to you know, overcome or live, not just overcome, let's just go live with. But like life is about accommodations. We all compensate and we learn to compensate. We compensate, we compensate, we compensate. Like 
Human bodies mm-hmm. are freaking amazing. Like, uh, yes. amazing. I mean, um, so, yeah, I don't focus too much on what I can't do anymore. And I don't focus on what mm-hmm. I lost because it kind of goes back to, like, I can't change it. Like, nothing can be changed. Yes. So, like, I don't, I don't give that energy anymore because, yes, it's really sad. But, I mean, I wish, I wish I could go back. I wish we would have taken a different turn. I wish, you know, that could, should, would. It just mm-hmm. is wasted. Like, I, I can't change the past. Right. I can take an active stance on where I am now and what I need to do to make the future what I want it to be or what it needs to be. Right. And once again, that's a very, very complicated balance of two conflicting ideas it's you can't change the past and it doesn't make it any less no tragic and sad and and vulnerable and uh but you can also still try to do Mm -hmm. something going forward without just without just diluting it to well everything happens for a reason right yeah 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 i think like if anyone's still listening to me ramble on like I, i really focus on the word should like I don't like it when somebody mm-hmm. shoulds on me, like, oh, like you should do mm. this. And I will never should on anybody else because it's just guilty. Like, so I'm a physical <laughs> therapist. And uh, so my job basically is to boss people around um, and to use my knowledge yep. to like help, try to help people. And I have to have the confidence that somebody comes to me and says, you know what? Oh, let's choose it. Okay. My shoulder hurts, right? What, what should I do? Like, I will never tell you what you should do. I will tell you what you need to do to get what you want. Because all too yeah. many times people come to me and be like, Meg, I didn't do my homework. I should have done that. Or, you know, I mm-hmm. shouldn't have thrown the ball with my grandson. I shouldn't have picked up the groceries. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have gone golfing. But, like, dude, you threw the ball. You went golfing. You played with your grandson. Like, we can't change that. So, like, okay, mm-hmm. how do you want the future to be? And so I'll mm-hmm. never build on that guilt. Like, I, the should just is waste energy. Like, I... Don't waste yeah. my time. I'm not going to waste your time. Don't waste my time. Okay, we're here now. Let's fix it. Like, if you have a cavity, yeah, you should have brushed your teeth, but you have a mm-hmm. cavity now. Yep. Start brushing yep. your teeth. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, because I think a lot of, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of situations where it's a lot easier to talk in absolutes. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about cavities. We can talk about right. someone's arbitrary shoulder. Yeah. It becomes very different when you talk about tragedy and loss, yeah. I think specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really easy to say, um, like, yeah, you you had you had your cavity. You can't yeah. change it. You can't go back and brush your teeth. Right. Uh, and then I think I always I feel really confident when I talk like that and say like, yeah. there's no point in uh, crying over spilled milk. Sure. It happened. And then you think about, you yeah, know, significant. Uh, my therapist calls it big T trauma. Yes. In grief. Yeah. Um, that is a very different story. Sure. But in general, yeah, I like the I love the. Don't should on anyone. (laughs) I love that. Like, you shouldn't be sad. Well, I need to be sad right now. So I'm going to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, okay, live Mm -hmm. it. Okay, well, what do you want for the future? Okay, let's work towards Mm -hmm. that. I I don't know. Like, there's... I got a lot of comfort out of that because I always... Like, I... Being the one who lived is awful. I can't even imagine and I should be happy, but I'm not. <laughs> should. Right. But I, I don't think anyone who has ever lost someone or 
who, I don't know, tries to understand these emotions would ever tell you that you should be anything, especially happy, because that is a whole tangled ball Mm -hmm. of yarn. It's not that easy. There's not one... Yeah. There's not one word or emotion that can... Right. (sighs) Fuck. Yeah. And so, I mean, circling back to that, being able to hold a lot of emotions or, like, leaving space to not just feel like... It's not just one feeling. That's where that comes from. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Oh, yeah. With me. Oh, yeah. It's... It's brave. <laughs> That's one one word for a lot of emotions. It's very brave. Um, are you okay if we switch to maybe something a little bit more cut and dry? Bring it. So I would love to talk a little bit about definitions. Please. And kind of in and around the para world. So actually, um, one of the things that kind of triggered my uh like podcasting brain when we were talking at the 24 hours of old pueblo was when you started to explain to me um like why you believe in the term paracycling versus other types Mm -hmm. so i'd love to hear that spiel again um yeah to record that but then also i want to talk about kind of like the difference between para versus adaptive um, disabled versus amputee etc and just kind of like yeah define some of those definitions happily hear what words you're, you yeah. think are supportive and what words oh, need to go away. Thanks for that opportunity. Okay, so, um, like, over time, um, like, hmm. so how do I start this? Definitions, like, I mean, we can always go back to, like, no one is just one thing. Like, it's really hard to define anybody. However, like, when you get into the sport of cycling, one of the most maddening and wonderful things about it is that it's so objective. Like you can hit your heart rate, you can hit your cadence, you can hit your power, your speed, your climbing. It just can get really wrapped up in objective numbers and data. And then we get like, you know, when we go to events or so forth that we can have very clear categories as far as these are our elites and this is what we have expectations of. And then our age groups and so on and so forth. Kind of new in the, newer in the gravel and kind of less sanctioned races is like you can have truly any category you want you want a Clydesdale Mm -hmm. great awesome love it you won't find that at a USA cycling race you won't find a Clydesdale category at um, a UCI race still awesome love to see everybody at the start line also newer is kind of a trans non-binary gender expansive category and mm-hmm. that is something somebody can self like, I don't want to say so arbitrarily that like they can self-select, but that's how they self-identify, and so they're mm-hmm. able to I you know choose that category opposed to the, the the binary the binary categories of male female, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna jump back twenty years. So when when I first got hurt, like I wanted to return back to elite sport. That period, period. Like mm-hmm. I was a college tennis player. Again, Ali Tetrick, yes. if you're listening, I challenge you. Um, also, fellow college tennis player. Anyway. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. Yes. Um, and so I wanted to just be quote unquote normal. Well, what is normal? Okay. Turns out um, losing my left foot below the knee, like I cannot return to hot collegiate tennis. Okay. 
well, I still wanted to be able to walk without a limp. I wanted to be so fast that nobody knew. Um, people may be familiar with some of the triathletes like Ben Hoffman from Ironman mm-hmm. or Lindsey Corbin, who just retired. They're both my vintage. They both graduated from the University of Montana. We were on the triathlon team together. So I just wanted to be. Oh, wow. Yeah. So okay. like, there were some really hot shot triathletes that came out of Missoula 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to be just like them. I didn't want to be any different. I wanted to keep up with them. I wanted to be seen as equal to. Okay. Again, I am not equal athletically to Nancy Corbin. <laughs> and that's okay. She's amazing. Um, however, comma, maybe I am equal to her. Like she does those all with two engines. I learned about the Paralympics and that the, I initially thought the Paralympics meant mm, something less than like the Paralympics went meant not as competitive as the Olympics, not as mm-hmm. rigorous, not as, um, well, let's truly cutthroat. It is. And so like going yes. through my, um, you know, you know, being a college tennis player, like I eventually learned about the, the Paralympic movement and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I started racing. Um, eventually I did some triathlon. I did some 24 hour mountain bike racing and then I found my spot. I eventually learned about paracycling and they invited me to a development cap camp in Chula Vista, the old training center. And I learned that like, there are people with a variety of impairments, whether they have uh-huh. maybe congenitally, they were born with that impairment, or maybe they uh-huh. were involved in the military and acquired their impairment, or maybe they've had uh-huh. a stroke or another neurological impairment like cerebral palsy, um, uh-huh. MS, uh, Charcot-Marie-Tooth. And I just... I learned all these like impairments and then they have classifications just like they do at every other race, like age groups or often think in wrestling, like weight classes, like you're not mm-hmm. going to have the 200 pound kid wrestling the 100 pound kid. Cause that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Just like you're not going right. to have somebody who rides an upright quote unquote, typical bike racing head to head against somebody who was using their arms on a recumbent hand cycle. And I was like, yeah, oh. that's such a great point, Meg, because yeah. I had never thought about the like the categories in yeah. era. Yeah. They're just like our age groups and 100%. our, you know, any other divisions. Yes. And I never because I'm I'm aware of the the categories in paracycling, yes. but I never realized that we also have the same thing. Well, <laughs> it's it's like hmm. so fifteen percent of the world lives with a permanent physical impairment. And there's a broad spectrum of what that is. And I choose the word physical impairment, and that's also what the World Health Organization used. Yes, it's it's medical, it's clinical, it's fairly sterile. But the word disability, Mm -hmm. it's kind of icky. So dis dis is the prefix means the opposite of or not. And Mm so um, if you remember back to the 90s, we used to diss people. You know, we used to put them down. You would diss them, Mm -hmm. right? And then... Uh, ability. So like it means, you know, what you can do. So if you say disability, mm-hmm. you're saying they are the opposite of able. So if you talk about yes. disabled sports, isn't that an oxymoron? Does that not make sense? We're talking about not able sports. Right. Not able to do sport. the sport that these people are participating right. in. And so I and just doing. like, when you say a disabled athlete, I go, that just doesn't make any sense to me. You're saying a not able athlete. Mm-hmm. First of all, we are all athletes of life. Okay, I'm just going to go back to that. Like, we all have <laughs> gravity. That's 9.81 meters per square inch pushing on us at all times. We all have to stand up, sit down, which is a squat, stairs, which is functionally kind of a lunge. Um, like, okay, let's just say, like, we are all athletes of life. You got to bend over, sit up, roll over, reach. And so when you kind of 
and really sport is discriminatory at mm-hmm. its baseline. I mean, like Everest is Everest. A marathon is 26.2 miles. Like mm-hmm. a 5k is a 5k. You know, bike racing is, you have to have a bike. You can't do that in a car. And so mm-hmm. like we do chisel away. Like you can't show up to a bike race with competitive cup stacking tools and be like, okay, I'm ready to race. Yes. Cup stacking and bike racing, not the same thing. So, um, also watching competitive cup stacking is super badass. Mm. I was really into it for a while. Yes. I don't remember how or why, but that was like really had a stranglehold on me in like fourth grade. So oh, yeah. I, I'm familiar with it a little okay. bit with how good you could be, but I wasn't. Right. Well, I, I worked in athletic training rooms where ESPN, ESPN is on at all times and sometimes like ESPN <laughs> the Ocho. And so like I've seen all sports. I digress again. Um, and so when it comes back to like defining sport, like, yes, we have age categories. And I think now we're having some broadening the gender categories. Or this, mm-hmm. uh, now I think it is really important that we recognize paracycling categories, especially mm-hmm. in gravel racing. I think mountain biking, there's, there's a space for it. It's already in road cycling and it's already in track cycling internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, working with international groups and smaller races to bring paracycling categories. Because, I mean, we think about the bike. I mean, you and I are sort of the same size, but we ride different bikes. I'm sure different frames, different stems, different saddle heights, different cranks, different pedals, different things. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone um, my neighbor who's six foot. We definitely ride different bikes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, the bike is highly adaptable. If you watch any sporting mm-hmm. event or go to any physical therapy clinic, what's in there? A recumbent bike or a seated bike. On any NBA game, any NFL game, there's a bike. Mm-hmm. It's just they're so ubiquitous. So what I'm getting at is like I think the bike can be a real tool for empowerment, whether that's mm-hmm. you know, being able to get to school, get to work, get to um, the grocery store. I think anybody, whether they're quote-unquote physically able and without an impairment um or with a physical impairment and let's talk about the endorphins that happen so let's just say you have troubles Mm, you're mm -hmm. working through anxiety or depression and so forth like moving your body like movement is medicine and i i want to use this time that i have to really push for event organizers to welcome and pull out the chair at this giant table of cycling that we have yes and invite people i mean and say like yeah we want you here. We've made space. We recognize that it's not necessarily fair to have somebody who's, so I guess, well, if I use myself, I'm 40 and I race with Laura King. She is also 40. Mm-hmm. I will never beat Laura King. <clears throat> and it doesn't matter how much I lift weights, I practice, I diet, or um, I'm, I sleep. Um, there's just no way. Mm-mm. Nope. So I, let alone, like, let's say I had another age match peer who's using a hand cycle. Mm-mm, no, like, I will always beat the hand cyclist. And it's just recognizing that the effort and sacrifice is still the same. And their effort and to get to the mm-hmm. race, their, their, their investment in passion, dedication, and, 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 and um, they, they deserve a, a category just as much as anybody else. We deserve a category just as much as anybody. Yes. Yeah. And so like, that's a massive mission of yours, yes. uh, not to put words in your mouth, oh, it but is. you are like a very, very vocal advocate of increasing, um, para categories. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, in racing and yeah, I choose para because you asked for definitions. Please. So para means alongside. Yes. So para means like yes. next to. You see parallelogram, paraprofessional, parachute. It's mm-hmm. also Greek. It's ubiquitous. It's universal. So as far as trying mm-hmm. to push for events, not just in the U.S., not just in North America, not just in um, English-speaking countries where um, I think mm-hmm. everybody rides a bike, okay, guys? Like, it's it's everywhere. Um, I want to mm-hmm. make sure that the words we use are also everywhere. I mean, the par- like, not every sport needs to be a Paralympic sport. Not every sport needs to be an yep. Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, I think, having a very... Um, welcoming and inviting language. So para-athletes, like para-athletics, para-cycling, para-sailing. There's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's super easy. It's also really short on a spreadsheet, you know, as we put the, mm-hmm. as we, all the race organizers are thinking about, well, how much work do I have to do to make a para-category? <laughs> um, yes. And I want the, there to be um, a common language so people know we're all saying the same thing. They know they belong. Yeah. Yeah, so like kind of having that, um, you know, we have we have that in uh, like in mountain biking. Yes. There's XEO. And yes. When you say XEO, you know what that means right. versus uh, XCC sure. versus XCM and all of these acronyms. Like Thank they, you. it's universal. You go anywhere that is working under the UCI, and it's going to be the same thing. There isn't like, um, yes, you know, a disabled category versus an adaptive category right. versus a para category. Yes. And then I think it kind of. Actually, it begs the question, and this is a good question for you, uh, is, so you said 15% of the population is living with a permanent yeah. physical yes. impairment. Yeah. Um, would most or all of those people fit into a para category? Most likely. There are exceptions to that rule, so I don't want to blanket say yes. And I think mm-hmm. everybody, and truly everybody at some point experiences a physical impairment. The most common mm-hmm. physical impairment is a sprained ankle, and I think Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I can't think, I can't remember the stats, but like the number of sprained ankles per minute is <laughs> astronomical. And thankfully, <laughs> like a lot of people's physical impairments recover. I mean, we can talk about like, you know, your injury, like it was a transition point in your life, but you, you got to experience, and not, I'm not saying it's a privilege you got to experience this, but like, I don't mean to say like you got to experience, but like you experience what it's like for somebody who maybe permanently has a fused spine as you're oh wearing God, cl- make- a clamshell right yes i wore a clamshell exactly. brace for a very long yes. time and it was so eye-opening for me yes. to feel a lot more eyes on me in public yes. a lot of people would ask me yes. they felt very entitled to ask me what had happened like we talked about yes. for me much more of a coffee table conversation where i was like oh i, I crashed in a bike race i broke my spine i'll be fine but what if there was a trauma associated with sure. it that I didn't want to answer? Why do people feel like they can just come up to you and start talking right. to you? Um, yeah. You know, what if it was a permanent physical impairment and this is something I dealt with my whole life? Like, sure. it gave me such an important experience of like, it's exhausting. It's, it is. I, I'm, I'm, I want to say, like, I'm so grateful that you've been able to recover so well. And I know, I, I assume that, like, it's not easy every single day. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's, probably some long-term things that you have to compensate for. So that just goes in to say like not every compensation or physical impairment does fall under those um, classifiable physical impairments. Um, Right now I have really been pushing for the ones that the UCI and that internationally are recognized. So that might include um, 
like decreased joint range of motion, limb differences, uh, paresthesias, I mean, or paralysis would be another word for that. Um, and there, there's a broad spectrum right now in its kind of infancy, if you will, like I'm trying to use the one that is most universally understood and has had many, 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 many lawyers look at it. That doesn't mean that the, you know, there are physical impairments that don't, that aren't classifiable. And that mm-hmm. goes into some of those, like that gray area where, yeah, that's, that sucks. Like, I'm, I'm sorry for mm-hmm. like, I don't know why I'm saying I'm sorry, I'm, but it's like, like I wish everybody had an easy path through life. And I wish everybody yes. could be recognized. And because I've had people say like, well, you know, especially when they speak to me, it's like, well, Meg, like you finish in the middle of the pack or, you know, depending on the size of the race, like you finish really well. Like, why are you like, I don't think of you as disabled. And I'm like, it's not about me. Like this, I'm old enough yeah. now to know that like I have a right now, a small enough voice, a large enough voice to say mm-hmm. like, I can make space for somebody who uses a hand cycle, for somebody who mm-hmm. um, uses a tandem cycle because they're visually impaired, which is mm-hmm. also really cool. You know, being visually impaired doesn't mean you're completely blind, 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 like lights out. Like yes. you can have some vision. Yes. And it, like being paralyzed doesn't mean you have no function in your legs or no function in your mm-hmm. arm. It just means there's a level of paralysis or weakness that, you know, stereotypically would be considered like paralyzed. And so yes. like there's such a broad spectrum. Um, like I've raced with some of my friends, my, my teammates who have quadriplegia, meaning they have impairments mm-hmm. in all four extremities, yet mm-hmm. they still, not yet, and they still ride an upright bike. Like, mm-hmm. and they're fast. Yeah, and that's so interesting yeah. because like you said, there's no like clear way to categorize that. Like you, I think when you say, quadriplegia you imagine someone who is unable to yes to you wouldn't imagine that they'd be able to bike based on kind of like your general assumptions there's a lot of assumptions yes and what do assumptions do they just make an ass out of you and me and so (laughs) um i think like we assume well like nobody wants to really know like what they're capable of, right? Like even the elite athletes, like it's really uncomfortable. Like if you look at mm-hmm. like Allison Jackson, like I know she's like she rides hard and it is uncomfortable. Her training is wicked painful. Mm-hmm. Matthew Vanderpool, like I mean your training, like when I was on the national team, like that training just it's really stinking hard. And you find out like oh man, mm-hmm. I can go like that second faster, that little bit faster, a little bit faster. Or you think back to junior high or high school when you didn't finish that five paragraph essay and you have to stay up all mm-hmm. night. You don't think you're going to get it done and you get it done <laughs> or whatever chore. It's like you don't think you can do it until you're like faced with this insurmountable obstacle where you just get it done. Like I think if somebody had told yeah. me like, Meg, you're going like, to, I identified as an athlete. That's how I made friends. I was painfully shy. Like mm-hmm. I, that's, that was my identity and it all got taken away and I was told I'd never walk again. So I was like, well, who am I? Like, how am I going to overcome this? I didn't know how, but each day comes and you figure it out. And then all of a sudden that day's behind you and the next day's in front of you. And then that day's behind mm-hmm. you and you just keep going. And I mean, it's hard, but you just figure it out. Like, I, I don't think you could have predicted this is where your life would be. I mean, really? No, no, definitely not. And also I, I think speaking strictly for me, mm-hmm with not any uh, for anyone else um i 
I'm really glad that I couldn't have predicted this because mm-hmm. when when you say like oh I I never saw this happening it's like well I freaking hope not like right. imagine how boring life would be if everything went exactly as we predicted it you're like all right cool no new surprises this is exactly what I thought I'd be doing at 27 yes it's, you know that would be not as fun and I'm strictly speaking for me when I say that but um you know you're talking about your identity mm-hmm. and kind of trying to figure out who you were. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but who, uh, not who, did your identity become a little bit more short, shirt up when you found the para category and you heard about the Paralympics and stuff like that? Because that's kind of what I gathered, but I oh, don't want to make assumptions. That's a, that is in- insightful. Um, well, it goes back to like, I, I was a lifelong athlete and I picked up a tennis racket mm-hmm. when I was three and then losing the tennis I mean, it sounds so shallow when you're like, I couldn't play tennis. Well, I mean, that's how I made friends. That's how I'd met Sarah. Um, she was my partner who died. And so it's like losing tennis was also my job. I taught tennis. I was in college playing tennis. It was very much an identity that I, I lost. Um, and then being in Missoula, Montana, like nobody else looks like me. There's not a lot of people in general but definitely not a lot of other para-athletes. And so I, I felt really lost. And and I think in some ways that was great because I saw my peers and I wanted to keep up with them. I wanted to be seen as valid. However, that valid was a feeling that I held for myself, which I don't necessarily think was a healthy pursuit because I was like, what does that mean mm-hmm. to be thinking, like thought of as valid? Which I can, even even today, like... I wasn't selected for the Grand Prix last year or this year. I was right. I'm not as fast as the elite athletes. Am I as good as them? Huh? I don't know. Like who's that? Who's deciding that? And, um, did I need that stamp of validation? Hmm. Right. Just, which is just like it's, it's like what we need what do we need to be validated whether that's an age grouper because i think we all meet um people along the race course who are super intense and they, they they own themselves by their their age category and they're excited to either age up or or is it or road racing they're going to cat up or they're petitioning to cat down or something like that they're like i'm too old to race mm-hmm. cat three anymore i should be in the cat fours i'm not competitive anymore and so I mean, people did that in tennis. Um, tennis has its own rating. You can be rated. I mean, every sport honestly yeah. has rating. Okay, like pros yeah. are seven zero. Okay, seven zero or above. Like, um, I I was a five zero, like six zero. So I was good, but I wasn't a pro. Um, but now, can I? Like, I had to petition to be able to compete down because I can't compete against my five zero peers. Right. So um, that's a, the tennis world. So the same thing happens in cycling. And I think I do get lost a little bit sometimes because like these numbers and these classifications and these rubrics, I mean, it gets lost in like, what do you need to be okay with yourself? Like, can you be an age, age grouper and be content? Do mm-hmm. I need a paracycling category to be intent, content? Can I just race in the able-bodied? Yeah, I've done it for a million years, my whole life, mm-hmm. pretty much. However it's not just about me. Like it's the next person that's coming up. Who's just learning, maybe new. Um, if you watch the movie high road, um, it tells a story of a young para athlete. He's when he was 11 years old, he developed cancer 
in his femur. And it was awful. It nearly took his life. Gratefully, it only took part of his leg. Um, he had a really awesome, cool surgery called a rotationplasty, where they took his, out his knee, which had the cancerous tumor, and rotated his shin 180 degrees, so his ankle is now his knee. Okay. He's, everyone with me there? His ankle is his knee. How cool is that? All right. And now he's 15, maybe 16 now. He's taller than me, and I'm not okay with that. Um, but Jack is, he, he's amazing. So he was a really competitive hockey player when he was injured and his hockey career needed, he couldn't return to the ice in the same capacity. However, he had Mm -hmm. me in town, like he wanted Mm -hmm. to play high school tennis. So we played tennis. He made the varsity team. So I didn't want to keep playing tennis. Okay. It's like, well, Meg, tell me about the paracycling team. All right. You, you betcha. And so we started riding bikes together mm-hmm. and Cannondale was like this is a really cool story if you watch the video Jack is even better in person he's dynamic he's personable he's kind he looks so dynamic and like he's so he was cool. just so like his vibrancy came across so strongly in that video mm-hmm. I was like kind of blown away by how I don't know how brightly he's shown in yes. that like he's so young yes and I guess I don't expect that level of yes and it also did look like he was attacking the shit out of you on every single, in every single clip. Like, it just looks like he absolutely hammers on the bike. <laughs> I was like, oh. poor Meg. I feel like he is just, he is like ripping legs off. It looked He's... awesome to watch and a lot less fun to ride with. <laughs> well, yeah. So in that clip, it, um, we got to do, uh, it was a year ago this weekend, um, the our, our local Montana gravel challenge had a time trial it was jack's first bike race um time trialing's my jam i love it and so for right now i can i can actually yeah yeah i can still rip jack's legs off um uh he tries and i i love him for it um i won't make it easy for him he will pass me one of these days and he will drop me like a bad (laughs) habit and i'm i'm here for it that said i am gonna make it so hard for him um (laughs) So, yeah, um, that that film, we went to Banff, it's been to Telluride, it's, it's gone around the globe, I went with it to Amsterdam. Everyone asks, where's Jack? Thankfully, he's in school because he totally shows me up. He's wonderful, I feel lucky that we get to text, we go play video games, and um, he right now still wants to hang out with me. I feel, yeah, he's a light, and he's really the reason. So there are other young kids who will unfortunately experience cancer. There are other young kids who will, like me when I was 19, experience a car accident that will change their life. There are other people who are born with physical impairments. And, you know, just because we're in North America doesn't mean that that people with physical impairments are seen the same way around the world. Mm -hmm. So I'll be going to migration this year in Kenya, and I'm really excited to go to other, other country where often people with physical impairments are hidden aren't given the same opportunities. My mom lived in the Dominican Republic for 13 years and me walking around with the prostheses, I'm so lucky. Many of the, many folks who look just like me have to use a wheelchair mm-hmm. and often those wheelchairs mm-hmm. have three wheels and not four. Um, I get to work with nonprofits like the Range of Motion Project, which provides prostheses um, because you're only as limited as your access to healthcare. Like if I didn't have my prostheses, I'd lead a different life. 
I mean, imagine yeah. carrying your laundry while using crutches, like carrying food no. while using crutches, cooking. Um, I've, I, mean, I use crutches every day. I, mean, I have to crawl to the bathroom every morning. So as able as I am without my leg, I still have to crawl or hop or mm-hmm. use crutches. Um, funny side note, I left my leg at Rebecca's Private Idaho in my car. And so I took my biking leg out on course. And when I came back from the hundred and some odd miles, my leg had actually melted to my car seat. It was really hot in Idaho. And so I had no walking leg. <laughs> so I was really hooped. I just had my little biking leg. And I know how lucky I am to have a biking leg, but yeah. Sorry, actually, can you explain the difference between like functionally how your biking leg yeah. differs from your walking leg? Yeah. So, um... I have a walking leg that is really dynamic. It has some side-to-side motion, has a little bit of mm. nice roll over, so, you know, the heel-toe action. When you think of running legs, I, they kind of look like giant burger flippers. So it's just you run on the toes. There's no heel component. Mm-hmm. They're dangerous to go downstairs because they're actually so long that they'll hit the back of the stair and just go, you'll slide off them. Um, they're meant for running. That's it. And they're actually longer than your intact leg because when you step on the running blade, functionally mm. a spring, think of a diving board, it compresses. Mm-hmm. So you want it to compress yeah. down to the length of your intact limb. Um, and so my bite, my everyday leg is kind of a running leg with a heel component. And now my biking mm-hmm. leg is just a strict carbon tube with a cleat mm-hmm. platform bolted to the bottom functionally. Because when you push on your pedal, you want as much force going into that pedal. You don't want to compress a mm-hmm. spring and then push on the pedal. You want as much direct force. Also, okay. um, since I don't have an ankle, my left crank arm is five millimeters shorter. Ah, I run okay. a mismatch crank set. Because, you know, your ankle moves just a little, little bit every pedal stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I just put a normal biking shoe on my walking prostheses, my left leg would be short at the bottom of the pedal stroke because I couldn't point my toe mm-hmm. and it'd be too tall at the top of the pedal stroke because my ankle wouldn't bend. Think of it like a ski boot. Like you wouldn't want to bike in mm-hmm. like with one ski nope. boot on. It wouldn't feel right. Um, and so having a mismatched crank set and also the cleat placed effectively near my heel means that I accommodate for not having an ankle that moves. Does that make sense? You with me? I'm going to make a YouTube video on this because people have been asking me. I actually met somebody at a Sea Otter who had questions and I've been getting some messages and uh, it's, anyway, bikes are so I think that would be a, so a helpful. Really, yeah. I think that would be a very educational video. Yeah. And I think like just hearing, hearing what you said about like having to use crutches or crawl or hop, all of those are like the little things that I feel like you can kind of try to imagine or empathize mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with like the challenges that you face during like a bike race, uh, you know, trying to, you know, I don't know. Like you said that you're always like dealing with pain and yes. stuff like that. Um, but then you, you don't think about, I feel like the, the little things sure. and how complicated and challenging that must be. Yeah. It's, I mean, little daily things in life, like. I, I don't think of them as much anymore because you compensate so much, but like I don't stand equally mm-hmm. on two legs. I don't like stairs are hard. Uh, right. Uh, I mean, I, I, I am, I am okay with limping now. Like I limp a lot anyway. Like it's, mm-hmm. I don't like to focus on what I can't do or what I, 
yeah, I don't focus on what I can't do. I, I focus on what I can do. And I'm going to do as much as I can for as long as I can, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, m- in my small world, which is like if telling people, like, if you want to take the stairs, if I can take the stairs, you can take the stairs. Like, if you want to walk your dog, mm-hmm. I'm going to walk my dog, walk your dog. Like, um, mm-hmm. I, again, just turned 40 and I told somebody I turned 40 and they're like, oh yeah, my back hurts and my knees hurt. You know, my knees don't hurt. My back doesn't hurt. And I'm grateful. Like I use movement as medicine. I go to the gym all the time I, either mm-hmm. at my house or the gym gym. Um, cause otherwise I do hurt. Anyway, I think I, I, so I did hit the front of my head. And so I have trouble with word finding sometimes and I can ramble. So if I ramble off, bring me back. I think you're doing great. Thank you. Um, actually speaking of losing thoughts I feel like now I'm kind of trying to make sure that now I'm remembering what yes I wanted to ask you a little bit um specifically was talking about uh I think kind of what we were talking about earlier and then we started talking about Jack yeah, yeah. and all of oh, those sorry. amazing He's things amazing no oh my gosh don't do not be sorry um I would love to know a little bit about your experience advocating for para categories mm. in the gravel and just bike racing mm-hmm. sphere. So if you've had uh, success mm-hmm. kind of adding those categories and if anyone ha- or anyone, any races or anything yeah. like that, not necessarily asking for specifics, so just saying in general, sure. um, you know, how, how has that journey been for you? It's hit or miss. I'm grateful for mm. some organizations, like big ones, like Lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy for people to pick on the things that Lifetime doesn't do 100% correct. Um, they're a giant ship. They are the Titanic. And they don't, they're not doomed like the Titanic. Let me choose a different one. But they're a giant <laughs> boat that doesn't turn on a dime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I fairly quickly, they've been able to add um, gender expansive categories, which is awesome. And they've also been able to add paracycling categories, which has given, going back to earlier, like that stamp of validation that you didn't even know you needed that feels Mm -hmm. really good. And you're like, yeah, like you feel Mm -hmm. seen. You feel like, yeah, okay. And they're willing to work with each race to find out what paracycling categories are um, appropriate in each event. Right. Yeah, because a big thing with Lifetime is that it does kind of span a lot of races. So yes. you probably wouldn't want to take a hand cycle out to... Leadville. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Leadville. Right. Leadville was the one I was thinking of. Sure. That doesn't feel like a fair thing to throw someone into. Well, what comes down to is often the, the course itself. So I worked with Mid-South. Mm-hmm. Mid-South had paracycling categories. Gravel mm-hmm. Worlds has paracycling categories. Foco Fondo... Um, uh, Rebecca's Private Idaho was actually the first mm-hmm. race to um, recognize paracycling categories. And so there are events that are more accessible than others. Leadville is tricky because there's single track aspects or spots where mm-hmm. the track is really narrow. And mm-hmm. um, hand cycles just have a wider wheelbase. They, they use three mm-hmm. bikes or three bikes, th- three wheels. Yes. And so um, it's harder to include some hand cycles on race courses with upright bikes just because of the passing dynamics and the speed mm-hmm. of the race. I mean, if you can imagine some of those like 10, 20% grades that you're grinding up with yeah. your legs, try grinding up with your arms. Okay. So yes, they do go slower. No, I can't. <laughs> Actually, but going down, especially on roads, like the land speed records are set by recumbent bikes. 
because they have such low frontal surface area, they descend like missiles. Our upright bikes, we have so much frontal surface area that we are giant sails compared to them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so like each race is slightly different. So Mid-South has paracycling categories, Focofano. I mean, there's a um, a broad list and I'm happy to share with them. Um, Rule of Three, Stetna's Pay Dirt. Um, <clears throat> however, like Lifetime also owns triathlons, also owns mm-hmm. marathons. Perfect opportunities for um, hand, uh, push rim hand bike or hand chairs because running with mm-hmm. a, a wheelchair is a push rim right oh okay yeah so a bicycle is a mechanical advantage we have gears and so running mm-hmm. is a push rim um and then biking is hand cycles uh so getting those events or get, getting paracycling categories in is sometimes people kind of know that they need to do it they just don't know how they don't know how to ask their volunteers they don't know how legally they can have it um but one big question across all spectrums, all categories is e-bikes. Um, do we allow e-bikes? Mm-hmm. That's a, a sticky one. And uh, like Rinduro, California has a paracycling category. I was able to help them institute that. However, some of the other oh, Grinduros, cool. especially internationally, haven't been able to have spoken with their 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 head group. So if you're listening, I I'm, I'm, would love to talk, talk more. Um, because again, people with physical impairments is, we're the only category that will take you whatever age you are and anytime, unfortunately or fortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I want there to be space for people to know that they can do it if they want to. Like if you don't want to ride 200 miles, don't do it. (laughs) At Unbound, they also have a 25 mile race. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the great thing about gravel. I think is that there's so many different distances, like UCI mountain biking. It's like, those are your distances. Yeah. That's it. That's the race. So yeah. Whereas gravel is there, there are so many different ways to Mm -hmm. skin the gravel cat. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I think what you said earlier, that was, that really stood out to me was like pulling out a chair at this massive table. And for an athlete like you, like you are clearly a phenomenal athlete and you are a super talented athlete before the accident and then you've gone on to be a like we've talked about already a couple times I'm just like obsessed with how much success you've had in the para category but for the people who aren't like you for the people who maybe aren't super talented and gifted athletes the idea of competing against non-para athletes Mm -hmm. uh I guess how how would you want to phrase that oh well Um, well, like racing as able-bodied athletes i think it's like anybody anybody new to the sport it's intimidating like i think everybody has to sign up once right and you're like this is terrifying i think Mm -hmm. maybe you can think back to your first race i think i mean you've done a lot of racing and i'm sure there's been times you've been nervous at your start line as a pro right yes and then yes you think back okay my first pro race how terrifying was that like do i belong Mm-hmm. You know, is this, the, mm-hmm. am I in the right spot? Is, should I, where should I start in the grid? Should I like mm-hmm. self-select in the back of the pack or should I like elbow my way up? And, and mm-hmm. folks that are new to cycling, cause there's so many barriers really kind of unfortunately to the sport. It's, mm-hmm. do you have the bike? Do you have the shoe? Do you have a helmet? Do you have sunglasses? Do you have hydration? Blah. Do you have nutrition? Blah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It goes on and on and on that I, I want to make sure that like knowing you belong is, is not one of the obstacles. There's enough out yes. there. So. Yeah, so I, I think like the fact that a rider like yourself 
be just because you can keep up with um like able-bodied you know, athletes yeah you said that you're finishing like mid-pack mm-hmm. in a lot of these mm-hmm. elite women's races just because you can do it should not disqualify Mm-mm. everyone else and, and so I, I think like uh, I'm obviously not saying that to you. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm no. <laughs> trying to make the case to you, Meg. I mean, like, in general, because I, I think some people would look at, like, well, like, Meg's capable of doing it. Right. Why do we need a separate category? And it's for, like you said, it's it's not it's not about you. It's about all of the other athletes that you know who maybe, who maybe got into sport after right. they lost a limb yes. or had a developed an illness or anything yeah. like that who – just want to belong. Right. And I, I think that that's so important to create this space where in, I mean, I think in theory, a great thing with sport is that you're being judged against your peers. Yes. And as close as we can get to that. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, I think. Community. Like, I mean, the word community yeah. gets overused in the gravel world. I think we all kind of joke <laughs> about it sometimes. We're like, what does, what does the gravel community mean? Um, and what doesn't it mean? What yes, at this point, yes. <laughs> it truly is. I mean, it is the spectrum, but, and that's 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 what's so great about it. I, mean, I think road road racing can be really intimidating because there's just so much lycra and there's so much speed. And if you miss that first pack, like you're just doing, it, you're just out in the wind on your own. You're like, well, why am I even here? But um, gravel racing is is a lot more participatory. And that's yes. something that's really unique to North American sport. Like, I don't know if any of the listeners have ever been to Europe. Like, there's not really participatory sport in Europe. Like, you show up, <laughs> you show up because you trained and you raced. And I'm not saying one thing is better than the other. It's just mm-hmm. different. And so that said, like, I think that's why I tend to lean towards sports as being inclusive because, or excuse me, events being inclusive because I'm kind of working from the top down. Like, I think there are a lot of... Um, nonprofits out there that are trying to build and enable all athletes to access the, access sport, whatever it is, whether it's through um, hand cycles or e-bikes or what have you. There's a lot that way. I'm also my spot, like I said, it's going from the top down, making sure that the, the larger races, they're there so that the smaller races see that like, well, if Leadville's doing it, I can do it. And hopefully, like, yes. and I also want to be a resource for these smaller um, events. And because I don't know any race organizer that doesn't have a good heart. I don't know anyone who's doing it to really make it rich. There's, I mean, yes, some of (laughs) most local event organizers do it out of passion. Like, Mm -hmm. so I want to make it easier for them to, I mean, they're doing so much as it is like event organizing, like hug your event organizer, hug them again buy them a (laughs) Coke or a beer or some flowers, whatever it is that they enjoy, coffee, um, because they, they sacrifice a lot so that we can, we can play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love the idea of starting from the top down because I think as someone who is currently putting on an event, um, with, uh, helping to put on an ongoing event, uh, we look at, you know, what, what did Mid South do in this scenario? What does yeah. uh, Unbound do? Mm-hmm. How do they How do they navigate navigate this? Right. Uh, and so, yeah, like that is the best way to I think help the most people. Mm-hmm. It's like um, like the little seed pods. Yes, they they fall from they fall from the the sky, yeah. well, the trees, yes, <laughs> just out of the sky. And then while they're spinning, they're gonna yeah. spread a lot of right. seeds, and then hopefully a bird's gonna pick one right. up and it's gonna fly very far with it. 
Um, I like that so analogy. So I, I really like that. I think, I think you're pretty smart, Meg. Oof. I think you're, you're really, <laughs> I think you're really doing good stuff. It means stuff. a lot coming from you. I, I really admire you. Um, I mean, anytime I, I can, you. Um, like if events reach out to you and you're like, hey, like I'm always, anyone listening, um, you all, and like, I'm, I'm available. Like I want to help people. I want to answer these questions. I want to make this easier. Um, this sport has given me so much that if I can give back, that's, that's all I want to do. I think that's really, really amazing. And you didn't have to do that. Like you could have just lived your life and done your own thing. And that would have been just as well. And, you know, it wouldn't have been selfish or anything like that to just focus on you. Uh, so I think it's really remarkable that you do put so much personal time and energy into helping to make the sport better for so many other people and, and people that like we don't know yet mm-hmm. and that that aren't even in the sport yet. And like so many amazing people that none of us have met and gotten to ride with yet or anything like that. Uh, so I think that's, I don't know, that excites me. Like when I think about all of the great people that are like that haven't even discovered the sport at this point mm-hmm. that are going to have a place where they feel more welcome and welcomed and, uh, you know, sort of have the resources to get involved in. Um, that personally really, really excites me. Oh, yay. Well, <laughs> it's a warm, fuzzy feeling. I feel I'm, I don't, again, like the saying, like everything happens for a reason. I, um, I don't, I really dislike that. However, going yeah. back to like, my life isn't less and uh, mm-hmm. it's just different. And I'm definitely grateful for the experiences I've had. And if yes. I can prevent anyone else from going through this, mm-hmm. I'd love to do that. And that's my role as a physical therapist. I want people to do what they want without pain. Um, and through cycling as well. Like cycling has given me so much joy and now it's given me a, a mission and a purpose and a passion. So I'm just incredibly lucky. I I think that that might summarize the whole thing just so perfectly. Um, I don't know really like what else yeah. we could possibly sure. say, but I also know that we could talk for another yeah. three hours. Sure. Um, but I, I think with that and a perfect a perfect bark to signal the end, yeah. I feel like um, it's, it's a great time to wrap up. So I have two wrap-up questions please, for you. Please, please. Um, at the end of my show, I like to ask my guests to complete the, the Mad Lib that is the show name. So, um, blank, this one's for you. Um, who is this episode for in your mind? It's for Jack. (laughs) Jack, this one's for you. Yeah. Jack, this one's for you. Jack Berry. I love that. Yes. Um, Meg, seriously, this was phenomenal i uh i was nervous at first because i was going out on my own for the first time and i was really scared but you made it so easy and you gave me a million and a half gems uh i feel like this episode is just like jam-packed of uh jam-packed with just amazing little nuggets so how can people continue to follow you and support you and learn about what you do um after after they finish this podcast oh goodness um I'm pretty easy to find on Instagram. That's a pretty uh, good way to keep up with what I'm doing. That's at um, at Meg Fisher, and pretty damn 
pretty easy. No extra letters. Fisher, just like a fish. Um, I have a website, Go Meg Fisher, that also has some resources and how to get in touch with me and some of the services I can offer in addition to coaching and physical therapy and um, <laughs> con- consulting uh, for races. Those are probably the, the best ways. I'm, I never got good at the, at the tweeting. I don't tick the talk. Um, but I uh, admire everybody who does. Um, um, I have a big race season, so I hope to see as many many people out on out on the circuit. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll put all of that uh, in the show notes as well afterward. And I'm also going to link to your film that you did with Jack. Oh, yes. Uh, so that people can watch it. Yes. So, um Thank you so much. I think we can wrap it there. Sure. Oh, and um, it's been a huge privilege. Um, this was so awesome. Thank you so much for for this amazing, amazing conversation. Mm-hmm.